1: my (laughs) god. I didn't see everybody back there. Hi. Um, Thank you all for being here. I've done a few of these, but I've never been in a room surrounded by everybody I know and love and some new faces I'm eager to get to know. Um, I want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank my biggest supporter, my husband Varam. Who's, he's the bartender, the cameraman, <laughs> the babysitter. <laughs> um, I also want to thank Skylight Books. Independent bookstores are my church. I love them. They're near and dear um, to my heart, and I'm so happy to be here in this amazing independent bookstore. I hope you'll all show your support for these brave independent amazing spaces that are cultural hubs in every community so I want to thank all the amazing people at Skylight Books. Um, I had to prepare something to say tonight because if I didn't I may st- I could have stood up here and wept and it would be not, not so much fun for you all um, I'm not a very religious person, but if there's anything I hold sacred, it's the power of language. And in many ways, Orhan's Inheritance is really about the power of language. Um, To me, words and stories are the basic units of human understanding. And much of this book is about that. It's the power of stories um, to lift us up or tear us down. Um, but this novel is really about a lot of things. It's about love and sex and power and hate. It's about the importance of history in our lives and the role of memory in our, the way we see ourselves and each other. I put everything I know and everything I love and everything I fear inside these pages and I really hope that um, these words enchant you as you read them, the way they enchanted me while I was writing them for six long years. I wanted to say something briefly about uh, the journey of writing this novel. It took six years of um, a lot of research um, because it is historically accurate, and also um, just a lot of gut-wrenching exploration. It came to me um, when I was in a half-awake Half asleep stage, I heard two sentences about the futility of words. And being a writer and, and a reader and someone who loves literature, I I knew that this voice wasn't mine. And so I s- set out to explore who who was this person. And I created a character around these two sentences that I that were given to me, really. And then I created a world around those two sentences. And Pretty soon I realized that I was borrowing bits and pieces of my great-grandmother's story. She was also a survivor of the Armenian genocide. And that's when I realized I was writing an Armenian genocide book. (laughs) You know, I I didn't set out to do that. So um, I just wanted to say that. And if you'll oblige me, I'd like to read a very short excerpt. Um, Most of the reviewers and cultural pundits have Willie really paid more attention to the historical aspects of this novel, but to me, the the heart of this novel is the love story in the center, and it's between a 19-year-old Turkish boy named Kemal and a 15-year-old Armenian girl named Lucine. So, I'll read a little bit for you, if you don't mind. A sip of water. This is um, two thirds into the novel when the young lovers have serendipitously met again after some very traumatic times. Kemal's heart finally begins beating again. He lets the air into his lungs in one loud gulp and holds it there, afraid to let it go. He had thought nothing of walking into the room and even less of interrupting the girl. Until she turned her head Beneath the headscarf were the grey eyes and the proud chin There was surprise and terror in her face But no recognition He knew her immediately And in that moment he forgot to breathe His mind and body disconnected Pulling apart like threads of yarn Now his hands are wrapped around her wrists And his body is pressing her against the wall She stops struggling But the fear is like a third body wedged between them she keeps her head turned away from him pressing her right cheek into the wall her headscarf has come undone and he can see that her dark hair is much shorter than before she is gaunt like so many these days her eye sockets recede into the cave of her face am I hurting you? he asks she shuts her eyes tighter and thrashes her head back and forth right to left, again and again stop please, it's me, it's Kemal But the thrashing does not stop. Lucine, he repeats again. This time she stops, but still will not look at him. I'm going to let you go now. Please don't hit me or run away. She makes no reply to this. Will you promise, he asks. Her eyes remain shut, but there is a faint nod. He loosens his hold on her wrists. He lets them slide down from the wall until they hang at her sides. He pulls away from her slowly in small increments. It is like pulling away from the sun. I think I'll stop there. Um, I don't like it when authors go on and on when they're reading their own work. Um, the bookstore wanted me to open up the um, floor for a Q&A. And I'm not sure if if... That's a great idea. I'm not sure how many people have read the book, but I'd be very happy to answer your questions. That's usually what happens at readings Um, for my family members who have never been. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. So yeah, um, I'd be happy to take questions, um, either about the process of writing the book or the subject matter or anything. There are no questions. <laughs> oh, hi. Um, do you write regularly? How do you find of time to write? That's a great question. Um, I have two children, so um, my favorite time to write is between 4 and 6 a.m. in the morning because no one calls me, no one texts me. Um, it's just really quiet. I also try to do some editing from 9 to noon. But that's basically my process. I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> yeah. Is this your first book? It is my very first book, yeah. It's actually my first publication ever. Yeah. Voila. Uh,
0: to, to write about genocide. What you set up? What we, did you always want to be a historical
1: writer? Or um, that I, a nice too? I think the books that I love are, always have a historical aspect to them. Some of my favorites are Middlesex, Ske- Middle um, Cutting for Stone by uh, Verghese, um, The Known World by Edward P. Jones. I really didn't want to dictate what the story was going to be because I had this woman's voice and I felt like I had to be true to who she was and not sort of um, control the situation at first. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Melissa. Did you find um, during the process that there was a time when you needed to do something to sort of create some psychic distance or, like, really turn up the fiction because it's, it's very close to your, your own Yes. So my family is from Antap and Adana, and I purposefully p- placed the story in uh, Sepastia or Sivas, which is the central Anatolia, because at some point it wasn't... Um, it just wasn't conducive to my own mental health. Um... All four of my grandparents were survivors, and you definitely need to distance yourself um, to serve this, this story in this this group of characters. Um, but it was not easy. I will I will say that it was it was it was rough going. <laughs> but yeah, Lisa. Um, Alia, you know I read
0: the book very carefully. Uh, I'm working on a review right now, so I'm going to ask you
1: kind of a writerly question. Sure. Um,
0: I think one of the things that struck me was, you know, you you worked in the history and all of the issues about genocide so beautifully so that it it just flows into the writing and it's very um, important. And one of the points you made there is that, um, you know, war and genocide are different. In war, there's two sides fighting and genocide. You know, massacre annihilation of the people. But what really struck me, especially in the context of the last ten years, we have so many books on war. They're not—they're not done from the perspective of somebody who is, you know, subject to something so horrific as the genocide. But what you did in this book was you created a character with such agency, you know, such uh, strength, even in spite of all the stuff that was going on with her. And, I just wonder where you got that from. I mean, did that just come naturally, or did you have to work really hard to, to keep her as a sort of active, you know,
1: resisting person? Well, I've been a feminist since the age of 19, mm-hmm. uh, and proud of that fact. Um, so I wanted these women to be extremely strong. They were operating in a patriarchy with 90% illiteracy rates, even among the men. Um in the general population. The Armenian population was significantly more literate. However, um, yeah, I mean, I'm surrounded by fierce women. I can see some of them in this room right now, actually. Um, And my favorite character is Fatma because she really operates outside of, I mean, she's just an insurgent, you know. And um, she's actually based on my really good friend's grandmother, who wasn't very pleased that I turned her into a po- prostitute in fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You did a great job with her. Thank you so much. Any other questions before we start <laughs> drinking, Nanor? <laughs> <laughs> what was your biggest challenge in writing the book? Um, I think any time you're this close to a subject. Um, I really did not want to bleed into any kind of propaganda. I didn't want to portray it, you know, one side a specific way. I didn't want to come to this story already with a bunch of conclusions about who was good and who was, and as you know, that is very hard to do as the, you know, uh, descendant of survivors. Um, But I think I managed to do that in that my Turkish characters are written with a lot of sympathy. Um, Not all of them. Some of them don't deserve any sympathy. But most of them, you know. um, That was the hardest part, to realize I had to really serve, I had to create a piece of art and not a piece of propaganda with a specific conclusion in mind. Yeah? I have a question. What does it
0: feel like right now? To, To have something, to create something expose it to the world and have it be received the way it has? <laughs> you feel?
1: He asked me how does it feel to to create something, expose it into the world. You know, I never... Th- you know, when I started writing this book, um, I t- when I told my husband I was writing a novel, he should have probably committed me because <laughs> I didn't know... I didn't have an agent. I didn't know a single other writer. Um, I didn't know anybody who wanted to be a writer. I just loved books and had been a reader my whole life. So it's kind of surreal. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's surreal. We're proud of you. Thank you. Well, if there are no other questions, I think we can serve the alcohol. Oh, sorry. There's <laughs> a point in time when you said this <laughs> is too hard. I'm going to stop. I'm going to get I'm going to give up. Yeah, um, and the person who... St- when, did, when did that happen? Oh, always. I just wrote a piece on rejection um, that was in the Glimmer t- Train Bulletin recently. And the people who stopped me from quitting are those two young boys <laughs> there. Because, um, you know, as a mother, you want to teach them resilience, that, you know, we all fall, but we all get back up. So I had a red folder in my kitchen, and every time I got a rejection letter, and I, I got, like, 60, I think... <laughs> You know, um, from an agent or most of my rejection letters were from literary journals. I, I was really lucky in the agent department, but um, I read those letters in our kitchen in front of my children. I wasn't going to give up because I don't want them to be quitters. You know, but yeah, there were many days. Where, you know, it's it's a, it's kind of a difficult road um, to take. But my husband wouldn't let me quit, and then you know I had to be a good example for the for the kids.
0: That question.
1: Yes, and then
0: the first words that came to you, what were the words?
1: That's a great question. Um, I should have written them down because I don't know them by heart. But it was about the futility of words, and it said something. She said something like, "There's first what happens." And then we use the language to sort of corrupt it with meaning. It was something like that. And, you know, I love words. I was like, who is this? And why doesn't she want to share her stories? Yeah, I knew it was a foreign voice. And I knew it was, she was very, very old and feisty. And I kind of really wanted to get to know her. And that's why I started writing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
0: Well, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Uh, we haven't read the book yet, unfortunately. Before. It just came out today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we're, I'm sure it was an intimate type of a relationship or some form of a, a going through this creation, you know, creating something for, for the public, and this is your brainchild. Were there... Uh, uh, you went through this different feelings and different uh, attachments and detachments. Were there occasions where you really felt that you have passages that you have to have in the book, but for some
1: reason or another, you decided not to include them? In the book? That's a good question. I think that happens in the editing process normally. Um, My book was a finalist for a a pen award, and that editor ended up buying my award, I mean, my book. So she didn't want to change it a whole lot. So I didn't have a whole lot of that kind of conflict with my editor. But yeah, you know, I think I wrote like seven drafts of this novel. You know, um, when, when they finally sent me the galleys, I put it all in a trash bag and had to throw it away because, you know, those pe- pieces of those, of those other novels didn't really exist. You know, they didn't... They sort of fell by the wayside. But you have to write all that to get to the, you know, to the good stuff. Yeah. Uh-oh. Vaughn? <laughs> <laughs>
0: How did you come up with, like, the words? Did it trigger from your grandmother's
1: message to you or did it just pop up these? Um, my great-grandmother Elizabeth's uh, story is woven in, in bits and pieces of uh, Seda's experience on the deportation route. So that's about the only part I borrowed from her. Everything else I totally made up. <laughs> Well, I think I'll conclude it. Thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate it. Please buy a book. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.